0: Welcome to the Friday episode of our brand new morning show, I guess morning, here it's morning, not where you might be, that streams all over the world, um, focusing all about the coolest tech from Microsoft and from other places as well. Your Friday host, one of them, will be me, Donna Sarkar, and joining me is the amazing.
1: Matt Soka. Hi, Donna. How are you? Awesome. How are you? I'm doing super great. and We're both here at Channel Uh 9 and beautiful. Mm Microsoft mm-hmm. campus it's so good to be well kind of back we made back a special is. trip over here
0: mm-hmm. and we are social distancing in different rooms
1: yes we are <laughs> yes um, we are so speaking super of great. social distancing
0: uh, Matt do you know what next week is
1: national peanut butter lover's day
0: that's one of the things but in fact <laughs> it's, it's also ignite ignite oh my gosh ignite and you know what Ignite is one of the best events of the whole year we put on at Microsoft because it caters to our amazing IT professional, DevOps, developer friends all over the world. And thanks to it being virtual, we're able to reach people in every country in their specific time zone. What are you looking forward to at Ignite?
1: Um, there's so many great sessions that go on, but I personally am a hands-on learner. I mean, I like to type while I learn and like have that interactive experience. And so we have this new thing called like learn live, sessions Mm -hmm. and what you can do is you can go through and talk with our subject matter experts so the people at microsoft who are doing the products and you can actually essentially you're sitting with them and you're learning from them as they go through the products and so like there is these we have microsoft learn donna and i'm Mm -hmm. sure you're well aware of that because you you, bit, yeah you help out with it all the time and it's like these free online self-paced tutorials and so you sit with the Microsoft subject matter experts and these learn live sessions and you walk through these these modules live and it's super cool and that's what I'm looking forward to the most is going through that.
0: So what I love about these learn live sessions is it gets rid of all intimidation factor where someone may say hey I have no idea what this Azure thing is everyone keeps talking about the Azure thing how do you even start? So this is a very, very good way to go immerse yourself in a technology that you might be curious about, that you might have dabbled with. and not really sure where to start because you have someone from the product team or the advocacy team legitimately walking through the learn module one line at a time. So they'll be like, step one, open Visual Studio, open Visual Studio. So they will do each step. I think they're like 75 minutes. So it's like quite the deep dive.
1: Yeah. And there's there's 10 of them. Mm-hmm. There's 10 of them. And I think the the schedule builder opened today, if I'm correct. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so you can go through, browse which ones you want to, do them mm-hmm. all. You probably can't because they're all, mm-hmm. <laughs> they might be scheduled together. But do as many as you want and, yeah, check it out. I think it's, yeah, go go through the um, learning zone page and, mm-hmm. yeah, schedule for a couple. And, yeah, just sit down and it's, yeah, line by line and uh, take the time, 75 minutes and yeah, uh, That's what I personally am looking forward to. And I work here. I'm a cloud advocate yeah. and I'm still going to mm-hmm. do it. I'm still going to take time to because there's so much I don't know. I mean, look, Microsoft Learn is humongous. It's huge. There's so much content out there and it's well worth, it's well worth the time. And I'm, that's my, that's my Ignite special. I cannot wait for that.
0: I know which one you should take. Yeah. You should take the Power Platform one.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, shock. Shock and awe. (laughs) I love me some power, especially Mm -hmm. power apps. I could talk Mm -hmm. all day about it. So so could you.
0: Oh, all day. And I do. Um, But in fact, Greg Herman and April Dunham from our advocacy team are actually going to be doing that Learn Live. And both of them have been with Power Platform since legitimately day zero and they are expert, expert. So we highly recommend, if you're even a little bit power curious, you could have been a traditional developer, like Matt and I, we've been writing code for like way longer than we care to admit, or you might come from an IT background, or you might come from a productivity suite background. You may have never coded in your life, and that's okay, because they will take you through how to build your first app that runs on one of these, from scratch, from scratch. And over 75 minutes, there's a whole active Q&A going on. So one of them will be demoing, the other one will be answering questions. So this is a very good time to get one-on-one time practically with these two incredibly smart, knowledgeable people. So Mm -hmm. big shout out for the Power Platform Learn Live.
1: Got to shout it out. And even better, Donna, is that there will be Learn Live episodes right here on Mm -hmm. Learn TV. So if you miss it, you can't make it, totally check Mm -hmm. it out here on Learn TV as well. Learn Live. Learn TV. It's all learn, learning all the time. I'll
0: learn all learn, all the time. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, so we can t- keep on talking for the rest of our lives, but in fact, we have a jam-packed show today. Um, I don't know if you saw the agenda because we're really good at rehearsing, but um, <laughs> <laughs> coming up is uh, Betsy Weber, our amazing friend who leads MVP communities all over the world, talking about talking with one of our incredible Power Platform MVPs, Mary Thompson. Then we've got Scott Stanfield, who's gonna share why blue LEDs change the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our very own Scott Hanselman, talking about new faces and new voices in the world of technology. And of course, we've got the infamous Diego's wall. So that's what we've got coming up next. Stay tuned. Okay, hey, so uh, Betsy's just getting unmuted because all of just like all of us, we were like, "Where's the mute button on this thing?" It's just crazy pants. But anyway, Betsy is based out of Michigan, where we're both from, and we're scheming and scheming on how to grow our MVP population all over the world. Betsy, are you unmuted? No. Okay. So no problem. I will keep talking. So. We've got Ignite coming up next week. And some of you are like, hey, what, what are you announcing? If you like mixed reality, you need to tune in to day one. I am not lying. You need to do this. Some of that work has been going on for years, and it is super cool. Um, I'll be hosting on day one and day two, tons and tons of new things from mixed reality. All right, uh, Mary, before I go off on a mixed reality tangent, tell us yeah. about you. Like, tell, tell us who you are, your story, your passion about Power Platform, etc. cetera
2: yeah so i've been working with the power platform for about a year and a half maybe two years now um since june i guess of 2018 it's been super exciting it's really changed my life and i think it's really one of the things that maybe helped me become an mvp is really getting kind of tied into that community community has been everything in my learning adventures um and i think that that's pretty been pretty exciting you know kind of the power platform community all tied together
0: Mm-hmm. So you became an MVP last year. So happy! I'm so glad I got to meet you before the great shutdown that we're in, right? Um, so tell us, how did you become an MVP? Many people want to know, like, lead us the way. And you're so open and wonderful and vulnerable about sharing your story. So can you tell, give everyone a little peek?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I it was just uh, somebody messaged me on Twitter this morning. They're like, "Well, how did you become an MVP?" And um, actually, two other friends of mine, Shannon. Um, and Kristen, we're both uh, recently started this uh, WIT MVP show. And so somebody asked us about that. And so long story to say is I think everyone's journey is really quite different, Um, but it's about really like how are you helping the community, your contributions? And to me, it's really important because I think that the community and other fellow MVPs absolutely saved my career when I first got into technology. And so I think that the MVP community is really about giving back and helping others as well.
0: I love that. And you especially are such a giving person. I've seen you jump on calls with all sorts of people saying, hey, I'm ready to assist you with building your power app or your automate, whatever help you need. And I think that is such a hallmark of being an MVP before you're even an MVP. So thank you.
2: Yeah. It's funny that you say that one of the things that Betsy and I talk about often is that, you know, MVPs are, are basically doing things that they would normally be doing anyways, right? Mm-hmm. And then to me, the MVP award's kind of like this badge of honor of like, you're do- you're doing the thing, right? Like you're right. doing the job, you're
0: doing the thing, so. So I I think it's so totally true. Like every everyone who's become an MVP, we're like, oh yeah, weren't they that already? And I think that's <laughs> a really, really good sign. So speaking of the MVP program itself and the benefits of being one, what do you think are some of the benefits? Because you were already doing the work. So what are some of the perks? Why should people be interested?
2: For me, I think that there's a couple different benefits. Um, I really love the opportunity to be connected with so many different people around the world that can fill in with those skill sets that I don't have. I do a lot of work in my local community and guess what? I don't know it all, um, but I need other people that do. So I love having access to that community. And then this is kind of embarrassing, but I just found out recently that one of the main points of being an MVP is having a direct access to the product groups and being able to kind of share mm-hmm. and localize on the different products that we're using. So I'm super excited to start utilizing that part of my MVP mm-hmm. uh, package per se.
0: I love that, that's one of the main things we actually rely on MVPs for, is to bring us the feedback from the community that we may be missing, right? Like, you know that we, because many of the teams here are Seattle-centric, giant chunk of the feedback we get are from people like us. But we really, really rely on people like you to bring us feedback from communities all over the world, especially someone like you who has such a cool, interesting side thing. Can you tell us about your personal mission called World Max? I'd love to hear about it.
2: Yes, I'm always super excited to share about it. It came across after going to an app in the day class. And basically, I'm on a world mission to empower as many people as possible to reach their maximum potential using the Power Platform. So it's like when you have like exponentials, right? So if you take something to mm-hmm. an exponential power, it grows that much quicker. And that's the same thing when you add the Power Platform to anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm just here to share, um, share the platform and share the knowledge and help encourage others that maybe don't think that they're capable.
0: Mary, you're such a gem because you you've you've been in this position before where you come from very challenging background. You've overcome some extraordinary things. If you don't know Mary's story, you should go look it up and you should tune into Ignite because she's spoken at many of our Ignite and Build conferences and her story of being a single mom to, you know, really struggling to survive with her child to becoming one of the leaders in the Power Platform space is just extraordinary. And I just adore your story and I adore you and your work so very much. Thanks. Thanks for having me here today, Donna. Thank you so much. All right, now we're gonna head to Scott Stanfield and my lovely co-host, Matt, to talk about why blue lights change.
1: Hi, Scott. How you doing, know. So, good, good. So tell me, tell me, what is autonomous systems? Well, number
3: one, it's a word that I am frequently misspell, the word autonomous. It feels like it has too many O's at any given time. But it's, um, it's, it's essentially controlling or teaching machines with AI. And so imagine the kind of the best of robotics, but with kind of world-class AI to uh, plus a low-code platform, believe it or not, to teach machines to do interesting things. And I have a tiny demo I could show you. Um, it's right behind me. This is uh, Project Moab. And this is a robot that I built and demonstrated last year at uh, Build. And there's so much going on. It's, it's, the idea is just to show how to balance a ping pong ball. And, um, but as a, as, a, as a robot, though, uh, I've never done hardware myself. And I come into this role at Microsoft with a chance to take kind of a software view eyes into robotics and I can tell you, um, there's a reason why it's called hardware. It's got the four letter word built into it. And I've learned so much. And that's why I wanted to build the show 24 Hertz to share that experience.
1: Well, that's cool. I mean, that's that's super cool. And um, that that balancing a ping ball, ping pong ball. Yeah. I mean, that that that's even more difficult than it is to say. So <laughs> that, I mean, that, that is really cool. And, and you kind of got into it, I mean, so I mean, Tell me a little bit more about 24 Hertz. Why did you necessarily pick that name?
3: At, at the, so um, it's a good story. Uh, the, the, the number 24 kept coming up. For one thing, we came up with literally 24 different topics around Moab, and we'll be going into some of those later. Um, but I, I realized, so I've had a, a distinct uh, passion around film, and, uh, and it's kind of led to one of the reasons why I have you know, these these interesting cameras, I have some cinema cameras and some background, but there's, um, I realized this kind of touchstone around the idea of the, in something I didn't realize as a programmer, but the inherent engineering trade-offs that are visible in every engineering project. And I'll never forget, when I had to pick the motors for Moab, to buy 1,500 motors uh, was a very big decision. And I sat down with a real um, electrical engineer she said, Scott, we're going to go through an exercise where you have to commit. And in our world of software, we can just scale up, scale down, change the back end architecture. No one sees. But she asked me, do you want it to be quiet? Do you want it to be fast? Do you want it to be cheap? And I'm like, yes, all of them. Why not all? And engineering doesn't work that way. Uh, film doesn't work that way. Uh, there is um, a story around 24 frames per second. We are looking at 30 frames per second right now. Everything that we see is is captured 30 times per second or 30 Hertz and compressed on my computer and sent to you. But the world of film is different, it's 24. And if you go back to, uh, well, the very first talking picture was released by Warner Brothers, it's a good Trivial Pursuit question, Um, and it's called The Jazz Singer. And a lot of people think of it as that's the first film where you had audio, but more importantly, it's standardized 24 frames per second. So think about when you would now see old film of like really old archival film that people walk really fast or look really slow. And that's because they used to hand crank these films. So how do you consistently crank the film and expose each cell at the same time, especially when it's variable and you didn't know how it was gonna be played back. So the jazz standardized that in order to keep the cost of film low, like what's the least amount of uh, money you can spend on film yet still get persistence of vision, which is motion blur which is why films look cinematic. You and I don't look cinematic for probably about 19 reasons, but a, a true film looks cinematic partly because of this classic engineering challenge, which we're all facing now in the pandemic and is how to, how to get good lighting with gear at home. And so we have the, I have these these studio lights here, but because we're limited to 24 frames or in this case, 30 um, how do we get good light? Now we have uh we're probably all using LEDs right now. In fact, you're looking at some LEDs as we speak. Mm. This I have I have here a tiny uh, blue LED, and uh, not only is it kind of harken back to this this exposure triangle, but the idea of like I didn't know how to make this light consistently before, like really diving into the show. And as a software person, to not really know how to do something as simple and ubiquitous as the blue LED. There's so much more to discuss around this. Um, This is worthy of the 2014 Nobel Prize. And we'll be coming back to this in a couple more shows later to start to build and help software developers exercise the skills necessary, not only to get good video, but how to understand this little robot
1: behind me. So a lot more to come. Scott, I think we could talk to you all day, all day long, but, and you know what, to quickly end it, there's a lot more than 19 reasons why I don't look cinematic, but we'll just leave it at that. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, great, Scott. Thank you. So, Donna?
0: Hello. So, that was freaking awesome. I love how you're connecting software people to hardware people using low code. What is that? Like, Scott, please mentor us in all the ways, all Mm -hmm. the ways. Okay, so next up, we've got a different Scott our very own Scott Hanselman, who is going to be sharing a very cool segment, probably my favorite, don't tell Power Platform people that, Um, which is sharing new voices in technology. You keep hearing from us same old voices over and over, and Scott's actually gone on this big discovery mission to showcase the newest voices and people who are doing the coolest stuff with tech. Over to Scott.
4: Friends, I'm Scott Hanselman and it's File New Project. Today I'm talking with Nixon Martinez. He's a software engineer who came out of a boot camp a few years ago. How are you, sir?
5: Doing good, how are you?
4: I'm very well, I'm glad to be talking with you today. Maybe you can tell me about your background.
5: Yes, so um, I pretty much grew up in Bronx, New York. Uh, I'm actually Honduran born. Came in as an immigrant uh, when I was 10 years old. Uh, I was... Very involved in extracurricular activities. Uh, got quickly involved in robotics and programming. Um, so I went to college. I got my computer information systems um, degree. And then after that, I struggled getting into the tech industry. But I think two years two years later, got into a boot camp, and then a year later after that. I'm at Microsoft, so life has been going crazy, but I like it.
4: (laughs) That's great. One of the things that struck me about you was that I would see you at trainings and meetups and and conferences and stuff like there are people who are studying at home, but you were really studying out in the world. You were everywhere. I was always bumping into you.
5: Yes. Um, When I so so I went from uh, New York, right? And I moved to Portland in order for me to go to the, to this boot camp and there I met a lot of people who were very immersed in the tech industry and uh, they saw how how much I was grinding and doing my thing with computing and how passionate I was about it so they started telling me about oh you know go to this conference or or go to this thing and um, you know those opportunities there to just see what Microsoft is doing uh it was something that I was like I always went
4: Was that intuitive for you to do that? Because some people find it hard to go and talk to people and they they prefer to, you know, study more kind of quietly by themselves.
5: That is true. But you know what's funny? I do remember one professor in college who told me, you know, everything is all about how bad you want it. You know, so uh, when it comes to like getting a job and networking and things like that, you know, maybe it's not, to me it was like, I just kept thinking about that. Okay, how bad do I want it, you know? It's not just about getting into LinkedIn and connecting with people and and talking to the, those who are near you, but actually you going out of your way to go and meet others as well and just expanding that network. So doing the most, technically.
4: I know that you're really intentional about your time. You're not letting your life happen by default. You, you do your work, but you're also really intentional about studying because you're two years into your career, but you have both new tech and old tech to learn.
5: Correct. Yes. Um it's a lot of things that I like to go over in the weekend because once I got uh, into into my team uh, here at Microsoft, I needed to learn so many of the services. And there's a lot of catch up that I have to do like uh, on other technologies. And I take the weekends to learn about, you know, dependency injection or how can I use classes better? How can I structure, you know, design patterns and things like that? Uh, and, and I don't do that just because of the job, but also just because I'm passionate about it. I want to. I, I don't want to just be in Microsoft and be a software engineer, but I want to be the best that I could be. You know?
4: Do you find that challenging? The like work-life balance. Like not everybody's got the weekends to do that kind of
5: stuff. That is true. I think I think it is work-life balance. I don't spend all day on the computer on a weekend, but I do set aside like two hours or, or three hours. It's, it's harder to do just one. Because you always get like into it um but yeah like two or three hours just do some something relating to to coding and and uh and then i do other things
4: mm-hmm. it sounds like being really intentional and being really deliberate and having a plan like you have a goal and it sounds like you had that goal when you left honduras you had that goal when you did the boot camp there's a plan
5: yes so staying focused and you know people to show their their value in interviews you know that's like something that's really important. Um, recognizing your values, uh, something that I've always worked on,
4: mm-hmm. and making sure that that comes out when you talk to people, whether you're networking or whether you're in an interview,
5: right? Correct.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, how do you about how about confidence? Is it hard when you are early in your career to feel confident? And do you have like any sense of imposter syndrome?
5: Yes, I actually remember a video that you that you did, and you said, um, you know, even when you're 30 years. Thirty years into your career, you still find yourself not knowing everything, and that's okay. Um, so that was really good. I'm constantly learning more about imposter syndrome and how to how to like cope with it because it's a very real thing. Um, and yeah, it's like just recognize that you're always going to be learning in this industry.
4: That really is the thing. It's not about learning a language; it's about learning how to learn. And it sounds like you're doing that.
5: Correct. Yes, I'm. I'm just go for it.
4: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Nixon Martinez, for talking to me here on uh,
1: Final New Project.:
5: Perfect. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye. Ah, thank you, Scott. And so next, we're going to invite one of my newest inspirational people, Diego, back for Diego's wall.
6: Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Donna and hello world this is Diego broadcasting live from Seattle Washington the Microsoft headquarters I am here in my office
1: Diego how are you this morning so remind us why who you are and why you're here today
6: my name is Diego and uh, I, I I was born and raised in Buenos Aires in Argentina But 20 years ago I was invited by Microsoft to work as a software engineer And I had the the honor to to contribute to wonderful products like Windows and Outlook. My favorite personal favorite, the Xbox One gaming console. But I also spent time in human resources. And now I spend my days in developer relations. Throughout the journey, I've been able to build this wall behind me that is full of stories, anecdotes, lessons learned, the good, the bad, the ugly, ideas, concepts. I use this word to nurture my sense of wonder, but I also use it to share it with others. So I'm here to share it with you, Matt, and with the audience.
1: And that's one of the great things. That's why I called you one of my inspirations, because this wall is completely inspirational. And so what concept would you like to share with us today?
6: Today, I want to share a concept that you probably won't find in any book. This was a concept gifted to me by one of my mentors. His name is Joe. And he gave me this table with the quadrants of success, I call it. And basically, if you look at here, there is a horizontal dimension, and that is how many good decisions you make. So on the left, you make bad decisions. On the right, you make good decisions. There's a vertical axis that shows how much people like working with you, Matt, So at the bottom, people do not like working with you. At the top, people like working with you. And basically, so here is the worst quadrant, right? This is you make bad decisions and people do not like working with you. That's failure. (laughs) But look at this quadrant. Here, you make a lot of good decisions. That's great. But people do not like working with you. And that is failure because at Microsoft, when you're doing big things like the Xbox console, like Ignite, all these billion people impact projects, you need to work as a team. People need to like you, otherwise you won't be able to influence good outcomes. Now this quadrant is interesting because here people do like working with you, but you make bad decisions. So not only this is failure, but this is very dangerous because you could take the team down to a wrong path. So truly the only success for a company like Microsoft, if you're in the tech industry, is to make a lot of good decisions, but at the same time have people like working with you that is truly the the, the only success uh, metric i would i would me. argue
1: that that's the only success metric really for for life in general so would you have any call to actions for our for our viewers today based yes. off of that
6: i was thinking this morning how do you actually accomplish this how do you make a lot of good decisions and have people like working with you and it's counterintuitive because Initially, one would think, well, to make good decisions, I need to learn a lot about the industry, about my company. And to have people like me, I have to learn a lot about them, how to treat them. But the truth is that the best way to make better decisions and to have people like working with you is to know yourself. To get an emotional education, this is something we don't get at school. We don't get sometimes in our our families. And today, so I want to recommend this book. It's called The School of Life, an emotional education by my favorite philosopher Alain de Boton. Please check it out. Let me know what you think. It has helped me understand myself better. Matt, we are very complex machines, Homo sapiens. And you know, there's a lot going on. And and we bring all our personality, our baggage, our histories, and projecting onto the office, onto the other people. So understanding ourselves is the gateway to making better decisions and have other people like working with us, which is only truly the only way to succeed at a company like Microsoft. So hope that people check it out. And I have more for you next Monday.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much, Diego. I know that book will be in the show notes. So if people want to check it out, um, I think they definitely should. Donna, what did you think about the show? Hello World, the last show of the first week. I thought it was amazing.
0: I, you know what, my mind is blown. I learned so many things in the last 25 minutes, like, whoa, I didn't know that, whoa, I didn't know that. Usually I'm like a huge know-it-all knows everything, but wow, you know, I did not know about that book. I didn't know about the blue light thing. I didn't know that there's a low code tool to connect software and hardware together. I didn't know about this wonderful young man who works in our company from Honduras. And, you know, I also didn't know we had 10 learned live sessions. I probably should know that information by now you know what what about you what what did you think like was this exciting would you do this again
1: it went too fast I mm-hmm. thought it was great and I, I can't wait the next week mm-hmm. so I mean so I, I hope all our I hope all our viewers enjoyed it as well I mean there were so many interesting people involved mm-hmm. in it so oh,
0: by the way you know why all y'all should come back next week because it's gonna be ignite recap time. So we're not just going to tell you what you saw, but we're going to tell you what you didn't see. All the super secret stuff that went on behind the stage and all the lines that set the I messed up. It's going to be amazing. So tune in next Friday, same time, same place. Matt and I talking about Ignite and all the things. See you next week. Hello, world.